Hand me my sword. That's the name of our series that we are doing on the book of Nehemiah. We're in the process of unfolding or extracting eschatology from the Old Testament. Number 13. Israel confesses their sin. We have here a general account of a public fast which the children of Israel kept, probably by order of Nehemiah, by and with the advice and consent of the chief of the fathers. That's Ezra. It was a fast that men appointed, but such a fast as God had chosen. It was a day to afflict the soul, that's for certain. You can read more about that in Isaiah 58, verse 5. They probably assembled in the courts of the temple, and there appeared in sackcloth and the posture of mourners, with earth on their heads and ashes under their feet. Right out of Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 1. These outward expressions of sorrow and humiliation gave glory to God, took shame to themselves, repentance. Earlier they were restrained from weeping, but now they were directed to weep. The joy of our to the sorrow of the solemn fasts when they come. Everything is beautiful even brought to the point of humbling themselves before the living God. Let's take a look at our overview for today. Number one, worship leads to repentance. Now in the New Testament, new living is recorded in a sealed document. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. Now let's review our scriptures for today. The priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Our second passage is out of Nehemiah 8, verse 13. It says, Then on the second day the heads of the fathers' households of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra, the scribe, that they might gain insight into the words of the law. Then on into Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 18. He read from the book of law of God daily, from the first day to the last. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. How the law speaks death. Here's a fact. The law speaks death. Nehemiah knew that the people were wounded with the words of the law that were read to them. The law works death and speaks terror, shows men their sins, their misery, and danger because of sin. 
and a thunderous conviction against everyone that continues, not in every part of their duty of the law. Therefore, when they heard it, they wept. That's Nehemiah 8.9. It was a good sign that their hearts were tender, resulting from Nehemiah's work. They wept because they realized how they offended God. The law exposed themselves by their many violations of adhering to the cultural influences that remained in them by the Babylonians. Since the law separated them from their fleshly practices, they all saw themselves guilty before God. Weeping is a result of the mind separating itself from the mind of God, the law of Moses. Healing requires a separation of deeds of the flesh from the deeds of God. The Jews of Nehemiah's day were healed and comforted with the words of peace, both in the Old and New Testaments. It was well that they were so much affected with the word of God and received the impressions of it. But they must not yield disproportionately to their mourning, especially at this time. Because the day was holy to the Lord. It was one of the solemn feasts on which it was their duty to rejoice over God's victory and even sorrow over their sins of disbelief in the law of Moses. Feast of the Booths The Feast of the Booths commonly goes by another name, the Season of Our Joy. For joy predominates on this holy day more than any other. Jewish people worldwide construct Sukkot, frail huts or booths that reminded them by the sweat of their brow. And these booths are the memorial to remind them of the building of booths during their ancestors' wandering in the wilderness. The Feast of Tabernacles was an annual reminder to the people of God that truly God is the Great Shepherd who has chosen the tabernacle among them. And this was in order to protect and bless them wherever they wandered during their times of failure. It was Old Testament grace in action. Nehemiah and Ezra's actions renewed devotion to the Word of God. They had spent the greatest part of one day in praying and hearing, and yet each was far removed from being weary of their sins. However, this was about to change after Ezra began to speak from the pulpit. At this point, God intended this event to celebrate His grace and mercies. The Feast of the Booths was typically viewed as a time to delight in their successes, worldly pleasures, and self-obtained profit. You need to make a note here. Nehemiah's Jews didn't realize that the more they communicated through the Word of God, they were given the right to understand it 
and be affected, transformed by it. Ezra knew that the more the people were exposed to the words of God, the more they would interact through his words. Those who understand the scriptures, old and new, would desire to understand them all the more. Thus, it would be read over them for seven days. As odd as it sounds, the priests of the twelve tribes and the Levites themselves came with the chief of the people to Ezra to understand the words of the law. They realized that their own need to be qualified to instruct their people with the law and they stepped forward to be taught. Get this, the priests responsible for managing the beliefs of the Jews were as ignorant as their followers within each tribe. In return, the second day, the priests expressed like-minded humility by seating themselves at Ezra's feet to learn from him. Ezra's humility had set them on his right hand and his left as teachers with him. Learn more about that in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 4 and verse 7. Now let's review the Jews confessing their sins. It was a day to loose the bands of wicked rebellion. Without this, spreading sackcloth or burlap over their bodies and ashes under their feet and the earth on their heads reminded the Jews from where they derived, as in the story of Job, and their time in the wilderness. It was also to remind them they were the seed of Israel, a holy seed. Furthermore, it was a message to remain separated from all strangers they had mingled with in Babylon. Remembering Ezra had separated them from their strange wives some years before, but they had returned to the vomit of their forefathers, committing the same sins. Now Ezra is challenging them once again to join themselves to God and to God alone. It was a day of communion with God. They spoke directly to God in prayer through their confessions, offering their loyal and devout affections to him. They heard him speaking to them by his word, which is very proper on fasting days, that it is a mirror for their souls. Each may see their wicked ways and defilements to know what to include in their confessions. The word directed and quickened their prayers. Nehemiah's Jews began to see that the word of God is indeed the mirror to unravel their rebellious souls. Now let's look at our four points of victory. Number one, the law. Basic fact here, the law produces death, brokenness, and humility. Now in the New Testament, Jesus fulfilled the law. He had to be put to death. 
He had to be broken and he had to be humbled. But in the Old Testament, the law was done by works. So the outcome was the same, but the Jews are the ones who had to pay. Number two, joy. The Feast of the Booze was to display God's grace. Now in the New Testament, Jesus became this feast. He became this joy. He became this celebration. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ was and is grace. So the key factor here is in the New Testament when we become born again. Jesus fulfills the law so that we may be the booth, the temple of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself can reflect his joy in his Father. Number three, confession. Confession releases the bands of wickedness. It doesn't matter if it's in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Confession releases the bondage of wickedness. Now in the New Testament, we don't need to beg Jesus for his forgiveness. After we confess, we simply claim what is already ours, and that is Jesus forgave us on the cross many years ago. Number four, mirror. The word of God is a mirror to the soul. Whether it was the Jews in the Old Testament hearing the word read over them, or in the New Testament we read it ourselves, the word is a mirror. And God has always used it for us to self-evaluate how we just might be offensive to God in what we're doing. In conclusion, in our past few teachings, God used Nehemiah to work the people into exhaustion, which produced brokenness and dependence. Once the building of the wall was completed, their exhaustion produced a willingness to be broken before the living God, to return them to the ways of God as a lifestyle. The sackcloth that they were required to wear was the physical reminder of Nehemiah's methods that were in line with God's methods. Yes, what a weariness it was. But it was necessary. Without Nehemiah's methods, it would not have profited them when the law was read to them. Bluntly, they would have converted Israel into an extension of Babylon, like many of the nations around Jerusalem. God was not going to have that happen, that's for certain. So Nehemiah's progressive plan of hearing God, accepting his orders, going to the king for a blessing, evaluating the condition of the wall and the Jews, working the people first, and empowering the weak to conduct business through the power of the living God. All these things led up to a revival that would transform the land of Israel for years to come. In fact, it would set Israel up for the coming of Jesus Christ.
Coming up next, number 14, leaders in Jerusalem are appointed. Jerusalem is called here the holy city of the living God. Now that's out of Nehemiah 11, verse 1. The city was where God had chosen for his earthly temple, which God placed his name in and upon this temple. The holy city became a setup for God's holy seed. And of course, that's Jesus Christ himself. And that was to minister to the entire world until its last hour. Those who care not about the holy city will be exaggerating if they said they would enter the kingdom of God. Accepting of Israel is parallel to acceptance of salvation. Don't ever forget that. When Nehemiah became the governor of Judah, he carefully picked the right leaders to carry out his work, carry it forward for generations to come. We're going to be discussing this in detail, and we hope that you join us. So thank you for joining us today. We're getting close to ending our mini-series on Hand Me My Sword. Our up-and-coming series will be explained in the video following today's message. Until next time... was just a boy when I came here. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise and bring you back to this land. Who are you, old man? I am Daniel. I seek to tell you a story. A tale of four kings. One great, one foolish, one who was deceived and one who is destined to be regarded as wise for all the ages of the world to come. During those many years we were living in a foreign land, speaking a foreign language and living under a foreign king. My king, I've heard of this man. For you, Lord, are righteous, yet we rebelled against your command. Jerusalem has sinned greatly as punishment. We shall serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. 70 years is a long time. King's executioner will be in the chamber. If you are found unworthy, you will be executed on the spot. You dare to defy me. Let the furnace be heated sevenfold. Bind them and cast them into the fire. It's the Babylonian way of conquest. You take away the leaders, and the rest can easily be governed. The Lord God will strike you down like an enemy. Anyone who prays to any god or man shall be thrown into the lion's den. Why did I consult you before passing that accursed law? Take him away! Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? Am I now to kill my most faithful subject? I call upon your name, O oh Lord. From the depths of the pit, 
Hear my plea. Redeem my life. promise is to always love our God and be obedient to him. Have faith, my brothers. <laughs>